What's up? What's up? We are live. Welcome back to your Everyday Rich Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Jen. I'm Jason. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks for joining our living room couch conversations uh, for millennials by millennials about uh, things that uh, surround money and in important topics uh, for people of this age group as they kind of go through their financial journey. And um you know, it's funny. I was just thinking. It was like we always say we are live. I know. Like, are we actually live? We're not live. True. But but we're live in the studio. Ah, there you go. Okay. Get it? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. So there, as we record this, you know, there was uh there was a bunch of things that were happening in the real estate investing community world that uh, was floating around, and it got to me thinking about um. Uh, something that's been on my mind for quite some time. And as we kind of go through our own investing journey um, and look at our styles of investing, Mm -hmm. this whole thing about, you know, the debt in general is a very uh, interesting topic, right? Because we always have this two sides of the camp of debt, right? Um, And the... Like good debt and bad debt, you mean? Yeah. What do you mean two sides? Good debt, bad debt, right? Yeah. Um, You know, leverage, Mm -hmm. right? Take on leverage to grow your money, et cetera. Um, And when you tie that on on to overall investing, like method, uh, like an investing thesis and Mm -hmm. investing methods um, where we know that time in the market is the ultimate success factor in investing, where compounding interest takes over and that's where you essentially accumulate majority of your wealth through time being in the market right with a sustainable amount of debt level mm-hmm. but then we also recognize the psychology behind money and how we all think about money and the dangers of debt when it's introduced to us mm-hmm. the fast money uh, the allure of fast money, right? When it comes to making money, mm-hmm. and ultimately, the lack of education in trusting someone else with your investments, if you are not willing to learn about it, this is where it's very scary. It's very scary, and this is why we wanted to kind of just have a real talk with everyone, um, and give a unfiltered opinion on where we see these issues and how we think you guys can look at it a bit differently, right? Um, through our lens on how we've invested. Um, because ultimately it's the journey, right? And everyone's flavor of where they're willing to invest and how they're willing to invest changes. But And risk tolerance. Yeah. But what I want... What I want to, how I want to start off with this is essentially history doesn't rhyme, but it often, sorry, history, goddamn, I ruined it, guys. History doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who said that? I don't know. It might have been a Mark Twain thing. I have no idea, but it sticks with me, right? Because we will repeat 
the same mistakes over and over again. They just, they look differently, yeah, right? Very similar mistakes. Yeah, similar mistakes in your life with money, with political issues, with wars, everything in the world. It just It just comes in cycles. Yeah. And this, uh, well, starting off this conversation where about dangers of debt is, <clears throat> um, you know the Instapot company? I love my Instapot. Yeah. Uh, guys, I don't know if you guys have Instapots, but we have Instapots. It was a phenomenal sensation. Yeah. Years ago. I think during COVID. No, even before COVID. It was. I, it I started before I, COVID. It, but I don't think I really used it. Like We bought lot. it before COVID. But then we really got into it. Anyways, hey, can you can you go look see when Instapot was started? If you want to go search. But anyways, as she does that, the whole idea here is... um. We wanted to compare the Instapot to another famous appliance, appliance, uh, I guess, thing. And that's the George Foreman grill. Okay. Instapot came out 2010. 2010. But it got really hot somewhere in between, I'm going to say 2015 or something like that. Because I remember there were commercials everywhere. It was just flooding the market. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, Instapot is actually bankrupt. That's crazy. <laughs> Did you know That's that? It's really unfortunate because it's such a great tool. <laughs> the company is the company that got the company that bought Instapot is fucking bankrupt. So I'm sure they've restructured the debt and you know tr- through creditor protection all that stuff because they're still selling Instapots, mm-hmm. but the original company's gone bankrupt. So, but George Foreman, who got bought out by another company, Salton Inc. or whatever it's called, anyways, they're still around, and they sell. How many a year? They sold 100 million units of George Foreman in over 15 years. 100 million units. And they keep selling them, which is crazy. So here's the thing, right? So George um, uh, Instapot uh, started by this Asian dude. I don't remember his name. Anyways, got bought out by a company. And they, like through word of mouth, there wasn't an advertiser or anything like that. It's just viral marketing. Mm-hmm. Right, but we saw it on advertising eventually, and people bought. They're like, "It's amazing! One pan, one pot, all that stuff." Right? One pause, press the button, walk away. Yeah, walk away. It it was, it was like that whole uh, Ronco food maker. What was that? Uh, set it and forget it. Right. Yep. Um, but in they they sold so much. Right. But in 2020, um, during the height of COVID, there it was like 758 million dollars in revenue. <laughs> yeah. Three quarters of a billion dollars. I feel like that we're part of that. I can feel like that's when we got yeah. it. 2020 or right. 2019. Right. Because like lockdowns, right? But anyways, here in 2022, they made only $344 million. That's 50% reduction in revenues. Mm-hmm. And here's the problem. The company that bought it put a shitload of money and leveraged a shitload of debt to grow. And they had $5 million, $500 million in debt but they only sold $344 million in revenue. That's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Anyways, not enough cash flow, not enough revenue to cover your debt. What happens? You go bankrupt. I wonder what they use that debt, debt for. I don't know. I didn't go really deep into that, but... It's like R&D or... I don't know who knows? Growing, to, growing really fast, yeah. trying to grow really, really aggressively, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas George Foreman took it nice and slow. Yeah, they had uh, you know um, TV advertisements and stuff like that, but... The idea was slow and steady for that company mm-hmm. that he partnered with. It was just slow and steady, right? Have a good sales pitch, good person to s- sell it, maintain that longevity. Yep. 
And that's what's been able to like sustain sustain their healthy uh, company. And the idea here is that the dangers of debt, when it works, it works. When it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't. When it doesn't, it's a big hole that it's really difficult to dig out of. Yeah. And it's a problem because with consumers, we believe that the debt, you know, debt was created by the financial institutions to make money, guys. If you don't know that, that's essentially what all loan and mortgage products, student loans, um, auto loans, line of credits, line of credits, they're all products created by institutions to profit off of your consumer spending through interest through interest credit cards the idea is that we may not feel like oh we're taking a lot of debt but when you rack all that up through all these combined things it becomes a burden and when something changes in let's say your revenue if we compare your life to a business revenue which means you don't have any income coming in well how do you sustain that debt you lost your job how are you going to pay your your mortgage and all, all these high stuff. credit card debts that you've racked up those Gucci bags and <laughs> Chanel, Chanel Gucci. <laughs> Sorry, it's my Vietnamese accent. Terrible. Okay, just just jokingly because I follow this girl on Instagram. She just jokes around Vietnamese accents. I got to <laughs> find her name. She's so funny. She's so funny. Shout out to all my Vietnamese friends. <laughs> uh, don't don't uh, don't cut my hands off, please. <laughs> um. But that's the idea. And we're going to connect this back to a real estate story mm-hmm. about taking on too much debt and, and the dangers of that, okay? Anyways, that's that's the primer. Um, so when you combine the debt and now you move to the fast money part, <clears throat> right? This is where it gets really interesting. Like I said, remember, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. Mm-hmm. So what happened a few years ago during the crash of covid what was what was coming up at the same time nfts yeah crazy and damn monkey the, the damn monkey with the crown the bored ape club yeah okay you guys remember that the bored ape it club was everywhere and also what's his name the twitter guy's uh first tweet oh that was yeah. the other nft that blew up yeah selling your first tweet yeah because apparently that is a some sort of tangible no, no some idea. sort of asset that you can <laughs> say that it has a perceived value in it yeah right so here's the crazy thing right so it's like the we, name Mona Lisa mm, kind of yeah pretty much yeah the board a club anyways all the celebrities had it Justin Bieber bought one for like 10 million dollars and all these stupid things and all these celebrities bought these things right and if you actually go google board ape club and you see how much they're worth they're worth pennies on the dollar now it's so sad right but it's also something where it's kind of like I kind of told you so if you kind of just sit back and realize what the fuck was happening. So where I'm going with this is that most of us will remember NFTs. But all of us, I guarantee, will not remember what tulip mania was. We weren't around. Mm-hmm. But they also don't teach you this in school. They teach you history of Canada, the history of the Civil War in the United mm-hmm. States, the history of whatever, <laughs> something. Okay. Right? It's true. But they don't teach you financial literacy. How about history of finance? No, they don't. They don't want to teach you what how money was created because then you'll realize how much of a scam it is. Yeah. I digress, guys. Sorry. Anyways, here, the idea of tulip mania, okay? I'm going to read this off to you. Tulip mania was the first speculative bubble that occurred in the Netherlands during the 17th century. So I'm pretty sure none of you guys are around. Uh, reaching its peak in 16... 16- 
37. Definitely not around. Definitely not around. Don't know anyone that was around. Um, and the prices for tulip bulbs. So I'm talking about tulips, the flower. Okay, this is when the tulip of the, the flower, the tulip, was cultivated and commercialized. Um, the prices of tulip bulbs soar to extraordinary levels before collapsing dramatically, leading to a widespread financial ruin for those involved in the speculative frenzy. Now, what does that sound like? Monkeys. Monkeys. Bored <laughs> fucking apes. <laughs> lots of crypto, lots of NFTs, and even tech stocks back in the day, mm -hmm. right? All these speculative things. So this is the idea that we wanted to share about fast money, right? And how we're going to connect this is both the rise of NFTs and tulip mania involve speculative bubbles. Okay, with crazy rapid increasing asset values. Okay, perceived asset values. Which is what basically what people thought it was worth. That's right. I think it was worth. There was no reason behind it. Yep. It's like I think this is worth a million dollars. Yep. And we're Oh, okay. And the other person would be like, Oh, okay, it's worth a million dollars. And then it just spreads. Yeah. Just like that. And I mean, realistically, all many investments are essentially they need some perceived value. Someone puts a perceived value towards it. Mm -hmm. If you think of real estate, what's real estate valued off of? Well, it's a combination of what the evaluation in the market by you know pricing, people driving it up. So yep. if there's more demand, it goes up. But also there's, what do they, they call it an appraisal. An appraiser comes and says, well, I think it's worth this much. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they fucking put it to the bank to say, hey, bank, we think it's $1.2 million. Yeah. But the difference is perceived value val is today's perceived value, but also perceived value in the future. Correct. Right. So when it comes to real estate, you when you think of perceived value, yeah, there's a perceived value of today, mm -hmm. but you also think about 20 years down the road, what is the perceived value of that particular asset? Versus those monkeys, on the other hand, there's a perceived value of, what do you said, million dollars, $10 million, yeah. that one that Justin Bieber bought? Yeah. Why? Why did people think that that perceived the perceived value of that particular NFT would be worth ten million dollars or more in ten years or twenty years? Because they sold it on speculation, right? On something that had no tangible asset down the road. Like, like there's there's no tangible yeah use for it. Yeah, like right? a house and a, like a house real estate. It's a roof. Mm -hmm. It is it is a necessity that people need to live. It's a hard asset. Correct. Yeah. NFT. <laughs> yeah. It's a non fung with non fungible, non -fungible token. token. You know what I mean? Like it's not like you said a, a a tangible asset. It was just literally a speculative item. Yeah. So how tulip mania? So you might be thinking, well, tulip tulips were tangible, right? Tulips mm -hmm. were something physical. You bought them, but the problem they were perishable. Yeah. <laughs> Flowers die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when you bought this thing for like a thousand dollars or whatever it was back in the day, it's not worth a thousand dollars anymore because it years, fucking dies. It grows, then it dies. Yeah. Right? It's just like a car. Yes, it's a physical, tangible asset that has perceived value that is useful, right? When it's alive. When, oh, sorry. when it's working. When it's working. Sorry. But when it's working. It degrades over time, right? It needs maintenance. And we won't get into like, you know, collection cars and stuff like that with historical value of. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, where there's limited quantities and stuff like that, right? That's, you know what? That's another conversation. I'm going to write this down. This is another conversation, how to like to differentiate assets, right? Mm -hmm. 
But the idea here is like NFTs were sold on this whole blockchain technology, right? It's going to be working on the blockchain. It represents digital ownership. Okay, fair. We're tulips. We're centered around perishable assets. That's the distinct difference. Mm -hmm. But the similarities are very similar. Yeah. Right. Where they're, in my opinion, and we can argue all this one if for all you NFT boys and girls, there's no fucking value in it. There's no use. There's absolutely there's no, no use. use to it. Yeah. Right. Blockchain is a little different. The blockchain technology is different. I, I think that's a separate conversation. But NFT specifically, yeah. yeah, there's no future. I don't. I didn't see any future value in it. It's it's like art, right? They call it digital art, where you store it on art. But it's like someone else just says, "Well, why is the Mona Lisa worth what it's worth? Yeah. It's why true. is this Van Gogh painting worth? Well, because someone said so. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, the whole idea here is that there are a lot of people that made a lot of quick money in both tulip mania, in the meme stock era, in the NFT era, in all these different speculative bubbles. Yeah. They made a lot of quick fucking money. You could. If you got in and got out at the right time, Yep, that's money in your pocket. Oh, yeah. And there's some people that did make a shitload of money. Yeah, you're They bank. got out in time. But a lot of people didn't get out in time and lost a lot of money. Or they got in too late. Or that. Right? Yeah. The point where it becomes too popular and TV and news articles are talking about it, it's already too late. Right? <laughs> and you're now starting to learn about it and you're like, oh, this sounds really interesting. Let's go put some money in it. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, that person, like they made 5,000% return. You're expect- you're- now your expectations are flawed because you have, someone has set a precedent, an unhealthy, unrealistic precedent mm-hmm. in a speculative invest call it quote unquote investment. investment yeah right throw money at it feel like let's see what sticks right well it's like no different than investing in a speculative stock true because someone told you hey guess what i bought this stock last year and now mm-hmm. i'm you know make i made 500 percent return yeah, on yeah. it yep. and then you go on and click on it the next day and yeah, buy, yeah. And buy, and buy this stock right and, but there's a difference here where we can segregate this right whereas like we i feel that stocks there's there's an actual value because of company valuation of what they're producing into mm-hmm. the marketplace right what they're actually giving right how much the company's yeah. worth based on their market economic value that's a value that's a value stock mm-hmm. right i'm talking about speculative stocks yeah, yeah. anyways I'm right? just, yeah like how companies are, are evaluated yeah. right um but then the idea here is that the reason why people are so attracted to this because it's so alluring it's intoxicating the fast money is so intoxicating it's like a drug it's like a fly staring at one of those lights, those blue lights, yeah, or just the want, light on the porch. Want quick money. You you can't for some reason we're psychologically wired to not uh, able to look at long term, right? It's what can I get quicker? Why can't I get it now? Mm-hmm. Delayed gratification is no longer part of our, uh, a reasonable understanding. Mm-hmm. I think it's exacerbated by social media. For sure. Like specifically for money. Yeah. Right. I think people would rather have it, feel it, have it in their hand as quickly as possible. Well, my opinion is I I think people are not willing to put in hard work Mm -hmm. because they're not willing to put in the sweat, tears, and sacrifice to obtain something because it's too fucking hard. It is hard. If it was easy, everyone would have it. Is that the saying? Yeah. And that's the problem is that we're as humans, we don't want to put ourselves doing hard things. We want easy. We want comfort, right? And fast money, 
goes against all that, right? Mm -hmm. And it kind of peeks at the hole and it's like slipping off your panties off and be like, hey, check it out. Yeah. <laughs> right? So this thing about fast money and connecting with NFTs and tulip mania, you may not have realized that it was just the tulip mania happening. Mm -hmm. And the dangers of debt when you combine that with fast money is is super potent for a disaster yeah okay believing that you can have these this quick return like regularly yeah is not realistic it's not normal no if someone tells you it's normal it's not yeah they're lying to you <laughs> yeah they're selling you a course <laughs> they're lying to you <laughs> okay so just recognize that where you know if the money comes fast money comes what is it was that was that shakespearean saying money comes money taken oh, i don't remember any shakespeare okay the faster the money comes the faster the money is taken away that's yeah. how it works okay it's just the law of money um and the uh the kind of the you know the third prong of this this discussion Whereas when you explicitly trust someone else with your investments and you don't take the time to learn about money and how money works, mm -hmm. you are guaranteed to lose your money. Yeah. Guaranteed. Okay. Well, sorry. Not let me, no, let me know. Let me not use the word guaranteed. Okay. Because guarantee is a very strong word. Yeah. And I will give you an example of why guaranteed should never be used. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sorry. Um, but here's a story. Okay, here's a story. Okay. So recently in the news, in the real estate, we were talking about in the beginning, in the news, um, there is a local landlord, we call him local, but uh, well known to the real estate investing community, mm -hmm. okay, who was well looked up to. Okay, we're not going to name names because I don't want this coming back to us to say, well, you talked about this this guy and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows who he is. Okay, you look it up. All right. Um. Essentially, well-known investor and realtor with a very uh, popular following and I would say a reputation that holds himself well. Yeah. That what we understood. Uh, declared for bankruptcy uh, protection because him and his partners owe $144 million in outstanding debt. To various creditors. To various creditors. And they have a total of 406 properties. That's crazy. And all those, that debt protection is essentially for unpaid mortgages, taxes, services to contractors who he hasn't paid. Um, and a shitload of private loans to people that will probably never get their money back. Because they loaned on something called a promissory note. Which is a note where you promise in good faith that you will return your money back. But it's not collateralized on anything. Like you don't actually can't leverage it against something. Mm -hmm. So there's no protection on your money. On your money that you've loaned to that person. Yeah, it's literally hey, it's an IOU, but there's yeah. it's very loose. That's right. Yeah. So this part where when this this particular individual, if you kind of go back and read on the story is that they essentially started selling a lot of these courses. And when you look on their websites and their courses, they talked about these things of like um, guarantee, the word guarantee. We will teach you and how you can guarantee returns of 150% return on investment. 
in 12 months. And these kind of things where these astronomical, unordinary... Promises, guarantees. Return, yeah. These mm-hmm. atypical returns mm-hmm. would be coming back to you if you partnered with them, if you gave them the money, if you let them invest on your behalf or buy their course, whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem where... There was a shitload, if you look into the report, there's a shitload of money, millions, like tens, dozens of millions of dollars in promissory notes, which means they raise multiple millions of dollars of people like you and me and convince them that they could do a better job of investing than you could. It's crazy. And now those people are fucked. Yeah. Never get any of that money money back. back. Because they're bankrupt. And this is where I want to tie in all three of these topics of the dangers of taking on too much debt too quickly, because this is exactly what they did. They took on way too much debt very quickly. They they want to grow and rapidly expand. They want to grow. They got hit with the interest rates and therefore were no longer to... Um, able to complete renovations, you know, get people into these homes that they were renovating. And as a result, you know, your mortgage, when you, the second you take possession of that, whether it's a building or a residential property, you gotta, you gotta make your mortgage payments. And they weren't unable, they were unable to make those payments. And like you mentioned, right, pay property taxes and whatever, all those different payments. And that's what happened, right? They That's why they declare bankruptcy. Yeah. And real estate is a very low margin business. Very. Okay. If you're hearing people saying that they get these like 30% returns, 25% return on investments, it's combining a whole bunch of factors. Including it's, equity. Yeah. Equity, mortgage pay down. Yeah. Uh, what else is there? Um, all these things, different things. And when they, they fiddle the math, yes your overall return is 30% or something like that, depending on where your numbers land. But in terms of your cash flow, your lifeblood of any business, it's fucking minimal. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. And that's how real estate has always been structured. Yeah. The money you get once you collect your rent, you pay off your mortgage, pay off utilities, property tax, all that kind of stuff, that number is actually not that high. Yeah. And you cannot it's not like a grocery store where you can be the no frills of real estate investing of just high volume. Okay. And rely on 1.2% margin to make any fucking money because the, the biggest challenge here is going back is the debt part is when you take on debt too quickly, too fast, and you don't have enough, um, uh, capital uh, sorry uh, revenue and as a result your profit margin is too low when you have a swing in your expenses like interest rate hikes you get fucked yeah your your cash flow of small amount Becomes, goes to negative yeah and how are you going to fulfill negative cash flow to the you bank you can't the bank's coming knocking but like hey 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 that's where you go to bankruptcy that's right and these people that did this probably knew right maybe they had a foresight but the the, the, the thing is here, it's easy for us to say, well, hey, listen, you know, what the hell are you guys thinking about, right? When people are ambitious, obviously, I understand what they're trying to do. But when they're overly aggressive in something that 
doesn't typically allow you to do that, mm-hmm. that's the problem, right? Like I said, when it works, it works. When it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. And if you don't put yourself in a position where you can protect yourself from downside risk, this is the problem. So anyways, wrapping that back up to the last point, because school doesn't teach us about money, we don't learn about it from our parents, we're too scared to talk to it about with our friends, how you learn about this. And when you hear this alluring sales pitch from someone on Instagram, be like, hey, want to know how to grow your money by 150% in 12 months? You're like, whoa, yes, I do. Because it goes back to the fast money part Mm -hmm. and it goes back to the dangers of debt where we don't understand how to control our debt, right? And um, hold on. We don't know how to control our debt then this is a, a an absolute, absolute clusterfuck of a problem. Now, this sounds like a lot of doom and gloom that we're talking about here. But what we wanted to tell you was real talk and just share with you just like this is the reality of things that are happening, mm-hmm. right? And the idea is what we want to try to educate and share with you guys here as part of your everyday rich journey is to understand the opposite side. Right, two coins. It's always two sides to the coin. So the dangers of debt. If you are going to take on debt, make sure you're leveraging at a comfortable, comfortable amount. You're in a comfortable position where you understand how that debt will work if it turns on you. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a cushion. Yeah, you need to have some downside cushion, right? Mm-hmm. Or whether it's like you have more revenue coming in, kind of thing. It's higher margin. I'm talking about business terms here, but Mm -hmm. in terms of investing, right? Like you have ways to exit, you have ways to protect yourself. Um, And same thing, you protect yourself from a consumer, like a personal one-on-one is I'm not buying all this stuff on credit every month on my credit card when I know I can't pay it back because my margin, aka my income. It's not covering. It's not covering. It's not covering. That's right. Okay, so that's how I relate it back to kind of everyday life. Mm-hmm. And when you hear pitches of fast money, and when you hear these speculative bubbles, guys, be careful. Just, yeah, please be careful. If you are willing to throw some money into it, by all means, that's what they're all, they're all air, right? Speculative <laughs> investments. That's okay. They, you will throw in, you can catch, you can catch. Ride a wave. Ride a wave yeah. on the right side. As I said, there are people who made a lot of money on amputees. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like throw if you're willing to lose a thousand bucks or something like that, but your return is potentially a hundred X or 10 X. Hey, that's how hedge funds work, right? So Yeah, as long as you're not so your life savings, right? Exactly. That as long if as you're, you're if you're okay with losing that money a hundred percent, then okay. Obviously do your research and make sure that's the right investment for you. But if you're I guess when when it comes to any speculative, I think you have to go in there with the mindset that I'm okay that I will lose all this money if I lose all this money. Like, I will be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and can't lose sleep over it, right? Yeah. Nothing's worth losing sleep over. Um, Except a really, really good episode of some, like, thing on HBO back in the day, but TV's not as good anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, and then the last thing here is... um, learn about financial literacy right through our podcasts through other podcast channels through youtube videos through books right psychology of money 
we recommend you reading Psychology of Money. Okay, number one thing. You learn how money affects our psychology and how we're able to approach that. And then you learn about actually how money works and how investing works. Go read some Tony Robbins books. Go read The Millionaire Next Door. Go read, uh, what's that? There's tons of books, right? Like, I'm just looking at our, our book, bookshelf. bookshelf here. Uh, where is it? We'll leave it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll leave it in the show P- Peter Lynch, you know, beating the street and all that stuff. So, but there's tons of them available. And then listen to Your Everyday Rich, guys. Okay. <laughs> right. And there's other shows too. Like shout out to Earn Your Leisure um, and Market Mondays. Like those guys have set the precedent for like, um, you know, di- different cultural groups to learn about it. Whether, you know, you look like them or whether you don't, but you kind of relate to them. And this is exactly what we're trying to do here is that, you know, we we hope we can uh, share the journeys so that, you know, you can kind of see the perspective from our lens. Um, and then I guess I like to leave off here is if you're not willing to learn it yourself, then you should be okay with someone losing it all for you. That's so sad. Right. And as unfortunate as it sounds, right. But <laughs> You care, we care so much about certain things that in the grand scheme are so, so stupid. Mm-hmm. And we spend so much time researching the latest gadgets or they are vacations, right? Or, you know, we're buying a computer or an iPhone or a car or whatever, you know, something like that. Or we're researching like stuff that we're going to buy, but we don't spend more than 10 minutes on what stock to buy Yeah. or what happens how to, how if I invest your money, how to invest their money. And I want that to change, right? This is the time to change it, right? The tide will change. You put in that effort. It will it will benefit you long-term. Yeah. And here is the thing. Last thing is when I combine all this, and I look at this and I look at social media. It goes back to the whole thing where this has been lost a lot in, you know, money gurus, business gurus and people online is the whole rabbit versus the the turtle. Mm-hmm. Everyone is trying to fucking race each other. Yeah. We feel like we have to try to race each other in our money journeys. Wealth is not a race. No, it's a it's a journey. It's a journey. Like I'd rather be the turtle than yeah. the hare. <laughs> right. Investing. Here's my opinion on the secret to investing long term. Okay. And you can argue with me, send me a message. Let's let's have a good, healthy conversation, okay? This might be controversial. But successful investing is about consistent, sustainable, and predictable returns. So you're making things that are sustainably, you can grow sustainably. Mm-hmm. You can invest in things that are predictable. Your mm-hmm. returns are predictable. The companies are predictable, mm-hmm. right? And what was the last thing I said? Sustainable, predictable, consistent. Consistent. Oh God, sorry guys. This is uh, this is a uh, dad brain here. <laughs> okay, predictable or consistent. God damn, consistent. <laughs> <laughs> it's near the end of the episode. I'm trying to wrap up. Okay, it's consistent, and that's the the formula when you combine yeah. all those things. It's not. Hey, let's go YOLO and get, you know, you can't hit home runs investments every single time because most of the times when you look at all-star, all-star Hall of Fame batters, man, they bat like less than 300. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Yep. So you strike out most of the time. Mm-hmm. But if you strike out too many on the big ones, you're fucked. Yeah. It's the ones that get on base, singles, doubles, that ultimately make the Hall of Fame. Okay. If you don't believe me, then it's fine. We'll see you in another 25 years, okay? We'll see where we're at. See where we're at, okay? Let's keep some receipts. But that's the idea, okay? You will see a lot of people push the fast money and the take on the debt and trust someone else with your money. It's because they know how to make money off you because you're not willing to learn. Mm-hmm. Anyways, guys, this is kind of the real talk that we wanted to share with you based on some current things that we were thinking about and what's been happening. And we feel that too many people aren't willing to learn about these kind of things and be blind to it, but we want to change that narrative. We want you to be proud of doing this kind of stuff, to feel like this is something important in your life because it is ultimately your decision to carve the path in your everyday rich life. And it helps if you learn a thing or two about money. So hopefully that has been helpful and our perspectives have been able to kind of maybe lend you a hand in seeing some things differently. And if you guys enjoyed this conversation, let us know. Pay the fee, please. Like, share, subscribe so that uh, people like that look like you, maybe they don't look like you. If they relate, then, you know, that's the whole idea, right? We, we have these living room couch conversations so that you can um, have them with the people that you want to talk to with. So, Alrighty. What do you think? Ready to finish? Ready to finish. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of fast money, like we have to make some fast dinner. So anyways, guys, uh, till next time, uh, we will keep it real. Signing off. Signing off. See ya. All right. Peace. Your Everyday Rich podcast is presented solely for general informational, educational, and entertainment purposes. Any such information or other material should not be construed as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a qualified professional.